Blog Talk Radio. everybody thank you for joining us on twitter monday night facebook live Vinny the shark big mike goon is in the house rob has the uh has the monday off but uh, a huge sports day Vinny. we have a couple playoff games going tonight we have the uh, warriors rockets kicking off we have game two in the nhl the whiteout in winnipeg against my vegas golden knights and uh and a big announcement today from the supreme court which is going to make sports betting legal in a 6-3 decision uh, they are going to legalize sports betting um, in the U.S. In, in certain states, I should say. Certain states will get it first, but uh, just a huge decision in the sports betting world. A monumental day for my fellow degenerates out there and myself. Um, this is this is huge news. I mean, naturally, only Las Vegas was the only state that allowed sports betting, and now Jersey is pretty much written in already because yep. they've uh, done everything to pass for uh, to get uh, sports betting legalized. But now it's all a state decision if they can legalize sports gambling. New York can even do it. Yep. It's just not going to take as much time. It'll be longer than it will for New Jersey. But, I mean, Atlantic City, if they want sports gambling tomorrow, they can get sports gambling up and ready for everybody tomorrow. And that's pretty big for them because they have two new casinos opening up over there. The Hard Rock's taking over the Taj, and Rebels reopening as Ocean Beach uh, Resort Casino over there. So we know the caliber of those casinos over there. That'd be beautiful to have a sports book in there. And that's something – Atlantic City has been needing, and that's been a pretty bad place, naturally. It's not the greatest area. And uh, obviously, you see the casinos closing all the time. So to have Sportsbook and all these casinos, a huge, huge deal for Atlantic City. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, let's be honest, Atlantic City basically sucks. Uh, it's, it's a fun getaway for a weekend. Uh, maybe only one night, though. You can't do a full weekend with, uh, you know, the boardwalk isn't the same. And, and now you're going to inject some life into, into something that, that's dying, to be honest with you. And uh, I agree with you. Now, do you think – each casino is going to have their own book, or do you think it'll be just two two casinos here, you know, uh, or, or what are they going to do in Jersey? That's going to be interesting, because I feel like certain certain casinos like resorts can't afford to put in the space right. for a sportsbook, but like places like Borgata, you feel like they're going to be lining up for it. I feel like the total rewards casinos might be a little late on it as compared to the new Rebel, the new Hard Rock, and I think Borgata is going to do everything in their power. They also have the room to do it right. to get everything in there. Just put it right with their uh, right. the race uh, book over exactly. there. Exactly. That's, that's what I said. Yep. So, I mean, I, I think it's wise for every casino to do it, but also naturally with everything how close they are. It's not like Vegas where everything's a billion-dollar casino everywhere you go. Uh, one having it and one not having it might be the difference between going. So I think they're going to do it, but I feel like some, like Bally's and um, – Resorts, I mean, uh, not resorts, um, Harris. Harris Harris could do it. Harris has a space for it, too. Yep. They can even make some room in their poker room. Yep. But um, it, it should be interesting to see. It should be, uh, they should definitely get involved in it. It's definitely a huge step for New Jersey. And I feel like uh, I even read somewhere Mammoth, the racetrack, mm-hmm. is all set. They're ready. They want to be. They want to get it done before Atlantic City does it. They want everybody going in there. This is a, this is a big, big thing, and it's definitely going to be a revival for Atlantic City. Yeah, New Jersey is actually, you brought it up, expected to be up and running within weeks. So they're wasting no time. 
They've actually been in preparation. Chris Christie, uh, the former governor, tried to get this going a yeah, couple he's years been ago. For a while, right? Mike. Uh, didn't get it going, but they've been preparing. They've been ready. So, uh, like you mentioned, uh, right where the uh, where you can bet horses in Borgata, they could take it right there if they really wanted exactly. to. So, start, um, start building right now. I'm, I'm sure they're on it already. So, right. um, I heard it could potentially be up and ready by the NBA Finals, which is crazy. Yeah, that's weeks, that's a, a week. Yeah, that's like two weeks away right there, and that'd be. That says something. If they're going to get it up that quick, if that's their goal, then you can guarantee that it'll be up before football season, and that's when the real money comes right. in. And then, you know, you have your trial and error before then, and they're off, good to go before football. And uh, let's not make any mistake about this, Vinny. This is very profitable to the states. It's going to be taxed, um, so the state is going to get their piece. And, and listen, New York certainly can use a little extra money. Uh, you know, I don't know where all the money is going, but look at the streets. Look at <laughs> no uh, – exactly. So uh, they're certainly going to make some money off this. Everybody's going to – but you read today that MLB and NBA is not too fond of this. Why? I thought they were fond of it, MLB and NBA. I thought MLB and NBA weren't. I know Adam Silver was very much involved in the NBA uh, doing this, and he wants to get $1 of everyone's bets for, I guess that's the NBA's collection on it. That's right. their, their big on you. Right. I uh, know he was big on it, so I'm not sure about that. MLB is interesting because they're not like the NFL and NBA where you get the spreads and the minus 110s, you know? They're right. they're interesting because the pitching matchups, blah, blah, blah. We all know how that works. But um, I think you're going to see people, you're going to see sports get involved. Absolutely. I'm surprised the NFL isn't uh, the first and foremost uh, of all this. I know Roger Goodell's a little, not he's not too on board with it, which is doesn't make sense because the, the Vegas Raiders wanted to build little kiosks so you can bet on the games in the stadium, which I mean, <laughs> and I mean, it's taking it a, a step far. No, <laughs> I, I, in I think the stadium. I think why not? It's Vegas. You can bet right across the street. Why not do it in the stadium? You know, oh, the second half line. I'm drunk. Let me go right up to that kiosk and put well, it in my Raiders. Sure, yeah, they're certainly going to make their money. The house abs- will absolutely. I mean, um, but as far as the people who are oh, the bookies out there, they're going to be all right because people are still going to gamble on their phones. You rather stay on your ass and and bet. Right. And you know what? You're not putting the money up front when you're betting through your phone with your bookies. So the bookies are going to be okay. And also New York bookies, they have um, time to come because New York is going to take some time before they pass this thing, which um, I'll be a little upset. I'm not going to be upset if New York legalizes sports gambling, obviously. I'm going to love that. But I'd be a little upset <laughs> if they bring sports books in before table games. Because if there's one thing New York casinos have lacked, like Resorts World and Yonkers and uh, Jake's, they don't have dealers dealing to me, and I can't stand going up to a machine and having a computer picking my roulette number and picking my cards and picking the card under the, you know, the blackjack yep. cards. I can't stand that. So I'll be happy for sports folks to come in here. So if I want to put a big-time bet in and get paid immediately, I have that ready to go. But they got to get their table game set, too, and maybe this is something that will open up that down the road. So very interesting, uh, the whole betting decision now coming out there. I agree with you with uh, – you know, Jake seems like a waste um, out there right now. But who knows? I mean, you've heard casinos can get it. You've heard racetracks can get it. And it seems like everybody's going to want to be, like you mentioned, that first one to have it and draw that crowd in. Right. So, this is, this is going to happen sooner than later. That's for sure. And there's a couple of states here I jotted down that are actually passed the legislation. I saw West Virginia. West Virginia's one. Yeah. It's New Jersey, obviously. Connecticut, Delaware, Mississippi, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. They, um, they're the first along with the passing, and they can pretty much set up a, a sports book anywhere you want. Anywhere they're going to legalize gambling, you could set one up right now because they're past the stages. Go, go. Real quick, we have a couple comments on Facebook. Alde wants to know, what does that mean for Vegas? It's interesting because um, do you think people actually go to Vegas strictly to bet sports? No. It's definitely one of my biggest incentives, but there's so much more to do in Vegas. You know, you're going to you have the whole trip. You have the whole strip over there. There's so much to do. There's, there's pool parties. Everywhere you go, there's something to do in Vegas. You don't go there just for sports betting. But, I mean, if that was incentive to some people, then, yeah, the, the vacation doesn't become what it used to be. 
And uh, one more we have. Mateo says, could this possibly open the door for a future Hall of Fame induction for Pete Rose? <laughs> <laughs> Pete Rose is probably not happy with this because, I mean, first of all, he would he's not in the Hall of Fame because you can't do that as the manager. So um, whether it's legal then or not, you can't bet on your own team, which I, you know where I stand on that. I think it was okay. And he has the most hits in MLB history, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He bet on his own team to win. There's nothing he would have changed differently in those games. But um, naturally, you're not supposed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. So that doesn't help him. This doesn't help his case for the Hall of Fame. That brings up something totally different, though. Did Pete Rose honestly bet on his team to win every game? Come on. I mean, I guess we don't naturally have proof. But, I mean, that's something that Roger Goodell's scared of. That's the integrity of the game. Uh, People betting on these, are they going to tank and win their money, you know, now that everything's legal, now that it's so easy to go. That's what took so long for franchises to go to Las Vegas. So look what that did. By franchises going to Las Vegas, you're getting sports books open throughout the states it's a it's literally a monumental day it's crazy that this is finally happening and i don't see any harm in it if you're worried about people doing that i mean it's happened before they got to just you know regulate something to make sure it doesn't work out that way so i do apologize you're right uh nba is all over it they would love it nfl and mlb don't like it so um uh, so we have that clear you're right adam silver who has been in favor of legalizing and regulating sports betting uh, supports that a federal framework, uh, you know, all that nonsense. But um, and just to be clear, I know I kept saying like Jersey could start up and do it. They do just need to get the final approval before they yes. can actually do anything. As of right this moment, the only place you can still bet on sports is Las Vegas. Right. But uh, it's happening soon and it's happening quick. And also, uh, before we wrap that up, you see all those commercials meeting all the time of uh, now you can bet on your phone and, uh, and gamble, play blackjack on your phone. But you have to live in Jersey to be able to do that. And it will be the same exact thing. You can't live in New York and have your account and be betting through those casinos, you will still have to live in Jersey in a residence in that state. So uh, the exact same thing as, uh, you know, gambling on online with blackjack. And when that. do you think this passes in New York? And do you think it passes in New York? Um, it's very interesting. Uh, I think New York is probably about, will be towards the end of all the states. I don't think they really want to. You think it they're going to let Jersey experiment with yes. it and see how it goes, yeah. even though they don't have the casinos that right. but New Jersey Jer- Exactly. Has. I think Jersey has the casinos. They have the right, you know, uh, mindset and, and for that. I don't think New York wants it. I really don't. Can you imagine a racetrack in New York like Belmont gets it before like a Jake's, a Yonkers, and right here on Long Island? Because racetracks are open to do this as well. I, You're right. But I, if I was Jake's, I would want this 100%. I mean – I haven't gone out there yet. Just from uh, who you've talked to, like, yeah, it's fun. But it also seems like it's a lot of old people on bus trips uh, out there bidding at the slots. Right. And, uh, you know, that would be something like, you know, really drawing me in. And I'd have to imagine the old people aren't too drawn to the sports betting exactly. like we are. Exactly. And, you know, You're um, getting a whole nother crowd. But it, it's going to be interesting. Like, I agree with that. Let New York, let, see how New Jersey right. does with it first before you regulate it over here. But um, it's going to be interesting. I can't wait to see how quick this stuff happens. And let me tell you something. I'm going to be making a trip out to Atlantic City soon. So, you might be getting a couple of phone calls from me doing a show <laughs> while I'm in AC. I'm really, really excited for it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, everybody love to hear your thoughts on it. Facebook, Twitter, hit us up. Let us know what you think about sports betting. And, uh, and when do you think New York will have it? Uh, most of the big following for us is New York. So uh, definitely give us your thoughts, Vinny. Let's move on. Uh, big game yesterday, Celtics-Cavs. We have another one starting up tonight, but let's hit the one that was already finished. And uh, listen, the Cavs went in as a uh, as a favorite. They were given one and a half points to the Celtics, and they got blown out in Boston without Kyrie, as uh, as we know, without Gordon Hayward, as we know. And LeBron James was not the LeBron James we saw against Toronto. The Boston Celtics continue to be disrespected by the Las Vegas oddsmakers. Uh, they have been underdogs in pretty much all their home games. They've been getting the job done on their home court. 
Uh, LeBron James, everybody knows he's the best player on the court, naturally, but he was not the best player in game one. And on, on the Cavs side, he's not going to have a worse game than he did game one, that's for sure. But a 108-83 victory to show that Celtics do not flop down to anybody. They are a well-coached team. They play team basketball. Al Horford is an extremely underrated player. Terry Rozier was a third point guard on this team, and he is looking like a top point guard in the NBA. The Celtics are no joke. They actually play defense, and they actually play team basketball. This is going to be an interesting series. Yeah, and I just want to hit on something real quick. The Celtics won 64% of their regular season games without Kyrie, which still would have been the second-best winning percentage in the East. So they're used to winning and playing without Kyrie. I think we need to move past that. I, you know, I'll take that. We, I have to be able to look past. And they never they even play with Gordon Hayward, so exactly. that's out of it, too. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, again, media, I keep bringing it up. Like, wow, they're doing this without them. Uh, Marcus Morris, uh, he said it's going to be a team effort to guard LeBron. Well, he really took that yesterday and ran with it. He was the guy that you saw a lot of guarding LeBron one-on-one before the double came over, did a fantastic job. LeBron had 15 points, uh, 0 of 5 from three, which, uh, you know, he's not the best three-point shooter, but he's usually good for two or three a game. Marcus Morris chipped in 21. Horford, you mentioned 20 points. And Jalen Brown, it seems like there's always somebody, Vinny, for Boston, uh, that extra guy chipping in the points, and yesterday was Jalen Brown. It's like they just know that this guy's got the hot hand, they're going to feed it to him. This is such an unselfish team, and that's the kind of basketball I love, and you don't see anymore because there's no superstar on this team, so they don't avert to anybody. But you've got the hot hand, you're our new superstar. That's who we're giving the ball to. And Brad Stevens, smart guy, he's not going to put Jason Tatum, the rookie, on LeBron yep. James over here. Not, not that Jason Tatum's a bad defender, but, I mean, just look at the size differential. LeBron's so much stronger than he is, and he's a rookie, and this is LeBron James we're talking about. And that's what I'm saying. Marcus Morris has got some meat to him. He's been around the league. He's played in playoff games. A bit of an attitude to him, He does. He's got a little bit of toughness to him, Marcus Morris. And that's something you need to go against LeBron. You can't be scared of him. And he wasn't. And he stepped up big time. And the Celtics, uh, they're going to have to do it again tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I think we'll see a rebound like you mentioned. This is going to be Cleveland's worst game. LeBron's worst game, certainly. Sure. 15% you know. from three, Cleveland shot. 36% from the field. Boston, uh, you know, on the other side shot 51%. So you don't know if you'll get that again. Most likely not, 51%. I mean, you're making more than half your shots. Just ridiculous. One stat that jumped out, Vinny, every player was negative in the point differential except Seti Osman on Cleveland. So everybody out there um, did not have a good game except Seti Osman was a plus three. In the every, garbage time. Yeah, in the garbage <laughs> time. Everybody else just uh, just really struggled. Um, but I agree with you. They will not uh, have another game like this. Um, looking forward now, do you think – who are you picking, first of all? You aren't here Saturday. Let me get your pick. You know, I've said all season since the NBA before the first tip-off of the season that LeBron James is going to coast ride to the Eastern Conference. The only thing I was wrong about was coast ride. I'm still going to give him the series, but I'm making it go seven games where he's going to have to do it in Boston. And I had Cleveland in six. I agree with you. I still think LeBron gets it done. Uh, there's always a saying, you haven't lost a series till you lose on your home. So uh, right, you know, your right. home court, your home turf, whatever. Um, so there's that. And then the other big game kicking off tonight, Rockets, Warriors, um, just – I mean, here we go. I mean, this is it. These are the two powerhouses, Vinny. In the regular season, we had the Rockets winning two out of three games against the Warriors. The Warriors are the underdog tonight. They're getting one and a half last I checked. Uh, what do you like in this series? I'm surprised the Warriors are underdogs. And listen, this is no disrespect to the Rockets, but James Harden and Chris Paul have not been there when it comes down to it in these situations. And the Warriors, they've been there. And everybody's expecting a really good series. And listen, the Rockets are a great team, but the Warriors are brilliant. They're golden, and um, they're going to win the series, and I got them winning it in five. And wow. I know I know that's really, really disrespectful to Houston. They don't deserve that, and that's not even a knock on Chris Paul not making it to a conference final or anything. I just think the Warriors are too much for this team. I think the Warriors are just 
They've been there. That This is it. This is how the NBA works. Everybody knew what was going to happen. So why would I go away from what was going to happen? We knew it was going to be Rockets-Warriors in the finals. And we know it's going to be Rockets, I mean, Warriors-Cavs in, in the NBA finals. That's what everybody had. That's probably what's going to happen. I like the Warriors to get it done in five. So listen, you brought it up, and I'm glad you did. Um, everybody, everybody in the beginning of the year had Boston, Cleveland, Golden State, and Houston. And here we are. Right. <laughs> First of all, is that a problem for the NBA? Yeah. Or, well, you know what? It doesn't matter. Everyone's still going to watch. It doesn't, there's still some excitement, though, is what I wanted to get at. There's still, um, you know, listen, there wasn't excitement in Cleveland, Toronto. But there was excitement in Cleveland, Indiana. I mean, it could have went either way uh, until LeBron started taking over there in Game 7. Right. There was unexpected excitement. That's what it was. Because nobody had the Pacers rolling with the Cavs, except for me, who called that in 7. Yes. But um, naturally, Indiana versus LeBron James, you know he's going to win. He did ultimately win, but it was definitely a better series than expected. Toronto, they laid an egg. They completely flopped. And, and what'd you uh, make of, uh, again, uh, get your thoughts on Dwayne Casey getting Dwayne fired. Dwayne Casey Coach getting fired. Uh, that's all because he couldn't get past LeBron James. And you got embarrassed with the best record in the Eastern Conference. And listen, that's just the bad luck of the draw, getting LeBron at the fourth seed. That's all that is. But uh, he'll find a job, that's for sure. I'm sure it had nothing to do with him. It had nothing to do with DeMar DeRozan missing all the shots, not playing like a superstar. But um, Toronto, listen, they're in trouble because that's not a flashy place to come back. They were lucky they got uh, Kyle Lowry to sign back over there. But, I mean, Nobody wants to go through that nonstop border. You know, you're going through customs nonstop all season long. Right. You know, that's annoying. No one wants to go over there. And that's why you shouldn't have a team in London. Think about their customs and that flight as compared to at least Canada's close. But, I mean, naturally, the Raptors getting rid of their coach, that's not the step in the right direction to keep them winning 50-plus games a year. And uh, Philly, since uh, your last show, has got eliminated. Uh, Brett Brown came out and said, Mark Fultz will be a completely different player next year. They're going to retool everything. Ben Simmons is going to work on his shot. And, uh, and he kind of hinted that, you know, uh, there's a free agent that will be out there that they're going to give a look to. And he was alluding to LeBron James without tampering, which uh, is just bullshit anyway. <laughs> but uh, what do you make of this Philly team now? Do you think going forward, are they going to be a legit contender in the East? Yes, I do, because they have the cap room. I mean, uh, Embiid, Simmons, and Foles, they're not making a lot of money, these guys. They didn't get their max and Riddick was a one-year deal, right? JJ yeah, was a, one JJ year, was a one-year, $20 million deal. That's off the books. Um, I'm sure he loved that deal, $20 million yeah, one year. That's a hell of a deal, and uh, he'll find something like that again next year. But uh, Philadelphia, they can sign someone to a max contract. They can sign Paul George. They, can, they don't have to sign just LeBron James. They can sign somebody to a max contract and make that team better. And if they get a healthy Joel Embiid, if Ben Simmons picks up his jump shot, I mean, he was a rookie this year, right? a second-year rookie. Right. But um, naturally, they could just sign someone to a max contract. These guys are just going to get better. Embiid, even Foles is going to get better. He can't be worse. Get, let, get that guy in the gym. Get him shooting his jump shots. This team has some uh, potential to really make a run in the East. And uh, – I, I agree with you. I, I really do. Um, and then let's just close off tonight and, uh, and the rest here. Uh, will the winner of the Rockets Warriors be our next NBA champions? 100%. Confident. 100%. Blowout. They're no. going to blow out the East? Doesn't um, matter. Because to me, games. on paper, all right, on paper, it's a mismatch. It yeah, is. It is. <laughs> it is. LeBron doesn't have the star power this year to compete with either of those teams. It's, it's just not there. And back to the expected thing. The only thing unexpected was everybody was expecting to see their Kyrie versus LeBron right. in the Eastern Conference Finals. Because we all know Kyrie actually was the one who wanted to not play with LeBron mm-hmm. after winning a title with him. And um, that's the only thing unexpected. We're actually seeing the Celtics compete against the Cavs without Kyrie Irving. And uh, well, I the- still know one for Vegas. Sorry, Mike. Yes. Uh, Cavs minus 125 still for the series. 
and minus 105 for the Celtics. So even after that win, the Cavs are still the favorites to win this series. That didn't drop too much. And the Warriors are big-time favorites, even though the Rockets are the one seed with home court, minus 215, and the Rockets plus 175 to win the series. So, I mean, the Celtics don't care. They were – would you remember what that line was? Was it five, minus 500 for Philly before that series started? Wasn't it something ridiculous? Uh, it was minus 300-something. Minus 300 And the Celtics something. are like so, plus high 200s. And Celtics don't care. They, uh, they'll keep taking it on the chin and, uh, and keep beating teams. So. I agree. Uh, move on, Vinny. NHL, uh, last night we had the Capitals absolutely demolish the Tampa Bay Lightning. So now the Capitals are up 2-0, and they've won both games in Tampa Bay. Now you're going back home up 2-0 in a series, and they haven't played well at home. So let's just say that right there. They've, they've been, been the fantastic. road warriors. Exactly. Fantastic on the road. They've not played well at home. But you win both games on the road. I mean, come on. You got to be feeling good going back to the phone booth with a 2-0 lead against Tampa Bay, who's been a great team all season long, great home ice. Um, it, did Tampa Bay running out of gas? I don't know the, what it is. Uh, the Capitals' <laughs> momentum after being the defending Stanley Cup champion really riding? Or are we going to see an even bigger choke job by the Washington Capitals now, losing up 2-0 and winning both those games on road ice? Are we going to see that? I don't think so. I think this just might be the year Alex Ovechkin wins a Stanley Cup. Um, I don't know if it's the year Alex Ovechkin wins a Stanley Cup because I think both teams in the West are better than uh, the two teams in the East. That's for sure. They're going to have something to say about that. Right. Uh, As far as the Capitals' lightning go, the Capitals now, ever since they switched from uh, Grubauer to Holpe, have just been a completely different team with him in net. And and listen, if the up 2-0 heading back now to Washington – if they were to collapse, like you just mentioned, you have to then blow this thing up. <laughs> Rob and I said Saturday they've probably bought a little bit of time. They'll have to retool on defense. The defense has aged a little bit. Probably going to trade one of the goalies, uh, whether it's Grubauer or Holpe. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, but if you were to blow a 2-0 lead at this point, forget it. You blow the whole thing up. That fan base is just what, what goes on through their head. Oh, my this God. Team they can't be confident. So you talented, dominating regular seasons after regular seasons after regular seasons, and the playoffs always coming up short. They have to finally at least get to the cup to give this fan base some hope that we can do this. <laughs> We've always had the talent, but this is the year we're finally going to at least get to the cup and win the East. Um, we'll see. It's the, it's the Capitals, and it sucks because I really love Ovechkin, but I also love making fun of the Capitals and Washington <laughs> for, not, for always choking. So we'll see. Uh, game three odds, the Capitals are the favorites, but only a minus 120 favorite at home. Wow. With the Lightning at even money at plus 100 with the Caps up 2 nothing and uh, at home. And that's a must-win for Tampa. It if is you're going to bet win. the game, you have to look at Tampa. You can't take Washington there because if Tampa loses this, the series is over. If you want to be safe and don't mind laying out the juice, I'm really liking the Lightning plus one and a half because, you know, they got to come out with everything firing. You cannot go down 3 nothing and then playing another game in Washington. Uh, about 8.22 here on uh, Over the Top Sports. In about eight minutes or so, we'll be joined by former wrestler Val Venus. Uh, we'll be on Awesome Hello, Wrestling Career. <laughs> Uh, awesome wrestling career. He's now into uh, growing and selling uh, cannabis and uh, has a YouTube channel that he wanted to uh, talk about. So he'll be on in about eight minutes. And uh, we look forward to uh, talking to him and appreciate his time coming on. But there's still one more NHL game Vinny, going on right now in Winnipeg. It is the whiteout. It is a scoreless game here. Five minutes into the first. Uh, the Golden Knights need to even things up. And listen, they've been awesome on home ice. We know that all season long. There's been doubters all season long. You were a doubter. You had the Kings advancing. But, I yeah. mean, listen, you're buying in here, or do you think now that Washington uh, – I'm sorry, Winnipeg has knocked off the Nashville Predators? Uh, are you all in on Winnipeg? Well, Winnipeg is not an easy place to play. The wideout is for real. We saw that. They got off to a quick 3 nothing start and ended that game in the first period virtually. But, um, listen, you got to respect Winnipeg. But, like I said, whoever won that Sharks 
uh, Knights game, that's who I'm pulling for. So that's who I'm going with. I'm going with the Knights, and I think that if they could steal one tonight, if they could even this series up 1-1 back to Vegas, I think they could do it. But if they go down 2 nothing, I think they, uh, Winnipeg with this home ice advantage, I think that might be too much. And I need to call you out because I did it on Saturday, and it wouldn't be fair if I didn't call you out with you here. <laughs> all right, let's hear uh, it. You were all in on Bet the House on the Shark Bank. <laughs> Look, please, hold on. You were all in on Bet the House on the Shark Bank. You were all in on the Dodgers the other night facing Matt Harvey. And I just felt like both of these bets were reminded me of the Geno Smith bet in preseason <laughs> second-half Giants. Betting with the heart instead of betting with, uh, you know, the talent and the lines. I do that sometimes, and by sometimes I mean a lot. <laughs> and um, that was not a fun case for me, and I lost quite a bit of money on it. You know what? That happens. And you got to take a grain of salt when I make bets like that, because like you said, Mike, that was a, that was a heart bet, not a, not a mind bet. Not <laughs> I did bet. also, uh, again, I, I did mention this Saturday, but I gave you props, because I, I would say you hit maybe 8 out of 10. So 8 out of 10 you put on Twitter. I would say you do hit those, but uh, the max bets are key. Had to call out the uh, the shark <laughs> one, and then I mean, you tried to bet everything imaginable on the Dodgers facing Harvey <laughs> team total, run line, money line, and uh, I don't was, know what else. That was more there, of a joke so. for people to you know gain some traction on that and troll Matt Harvey a little bit. But um, I did bet the Dodgers money line. I'm not gonna say I didn't, and yeah. Matt Harvey didn't even get the decision, though. What did you think of that? 55 pitches. Yeah, I mean, let's we'll get right into it. 55 pitches, four innings. I thought he was good. He hit 97. Um, Listen, we've got a catcher that has one hit so far. Uh, it was a home run, but uh, he sucks, and he's broken down. And, uh, and Harvey went out there and showed you that he could still give you a couple innings. And listen, it was one start. We'll see what happens moving forward. But I think if you're a Reds fan, you have to be encouraged. If you're the Reds, you have to be encouraged because you're going to get a lot more at the deadline for Matt Harvey than you would with Dan Mazarosco. I would have to say that this is more of the Dodgers' offense sucking than Matt Harvey actually pitching good. You feel me a little bit of that? I know you're a big Matt Harvey guy. Listen, I said the same thing on Saturday. I said the Dodgers have been struggling, but at the same time, this is a guy that hadn't pitched in 12 days, goes out there and pitches uh, four scoreless innings in your first start. Well, and hit 97. Four or four innings, why? Just because he did a couple bullpen works? I mean, um, if they were going to start him, why didn't they at least let him go five? They had a four-nothing lead or something. Uh, he should have right? went five, but again, you end on a note, 55 pitches, something to build on. And you got him for a catcher. You want to know what that shows me, money Mike? That stinks. Right. Stinks. I mean, the Reds have nothing to lose here. Naturally, they're in the cellar for the Central. I will be there the rest of the year. So he's a he's a ticket seller for Matt Harvey over there. We know why he's there. They had nothing to lose. Mesorato They've now won six in a row. The Reds, the Reds have won true. six in a row. The Reds row. have won six in a row, and I think they're still like nine games back in the Central. They are. So <laughs> they still they still got a lot of work to do, and I don't think the Dark Knight's going to be the, the guy who brings them back. But the Dodgers' offense is absolutely horrible, and – Matt Harvey not going five shows that they're scared to let the team see him three times, at least even twice for some people. They were scared to let him go out there and um, see the see Matt Harvey for a third time because then they went right to their bullpen. And that's that's risky changing a pitcher for from the innings five to nine. No, it's potential four different pitchers. Cincinnati, we both agree, they're not going anywhere. Matt Harvey's on a one-year deal. He's not staying in Cincinnati. He's not. So both of them – want to have the best performance going forward so that he can get paid and so that Cincinnati can trade him at the deadline and get some sort of, let's call it a, a B-minus level prospect. Someone better than Mezzaraka. Right. So that's all they're looking for, and, and you got that out of that first start. You got to win. The team got to win. You got some confidence for him, and, and you got a scoreless outing. So you move forward from there. The L.A. Dodgers are 16-24. and 24. Yes. They are now projected to go 84-78. and 78. Wow. 
So and, and they were the defending yeah. National League champions, and their over under was almost a hundred. Right. And uh, Vegas is odds. Arizona now has lost a couple games in a row. Might be two, might be three. Um, but eighty four and seventy eight. You lost your your starting all star five in a row for Arizona. Five in a row for Arizona. Wow. Um, you lost your starting all star shortstop at Corey Seager. Justin Turner should be back today. Tomorrow I haven't checked. Uh, they will be bad. Yes. Your best pitcher in baseball. Uh, we're not sure of when he's coming back. So, Vinny, I ask you, will the Dodgers still somehow make the playoffs? Um, no. I don't believe in this team at all. I really don't. Uh, Bellinger uh, needs some protection in there because he's not getting the pitches he was getting last year. And uh, he was obviously a huge part of that win streak uh, last year. You actually crowned him MVP at some I did point. Crown him. You want to crown Didi. I was crowning Cody Bellinger. <laughs> I said if the season ended for Didi, you – Bellinger was a full season His for you. Rec- their record was like 24 and What two I said with- wasn't wrong about Didi Gregorius. Or, nor was but I. So. Interesting thing about Didi Gregorius while we're on the subject. Yes. His batting average is almost lower than Giancarlo Stanton's. So that shows you where Didi is struggling right now. His average dropped 100 since we were talking about Didi as MVP. Yep. He's batting over 360. He's batting over 260 now. And Giancarlo's average is like like 245. It's, it's, it's bad for Didi right now. He's got to get out of that three-hole, Aaron. Get them out of there. Um, let's stay with the Dodgers before we hit the Yankees. Um, you don't think this is L.A. This is like Yankees are going to be tier one with money and the and the power. The Dodgers have to be right there, Vinny. You don't think they go out and make some sort of move? Machado. I feel like um, they have to. And I think Manny Machado is the guy. And you don't think do they may make the playoffs? I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Wow. I don't think so. I don't think uh, – I mean, I love Walker Bueller and I love Clayton Kershaw. But right. um, Rich Hill just left with a blister. Rich Hill uh, always on the DL. I don't yeah, trust Alex Maeda. Uh, Ryu is always Ruh. on the DL. <laughs> um, the pitching is just all suspect. Kenley Jansen's not been himself this yep. year. We all know that. Yep. I don't like this offense, even if they get Manny Machado. But they need Machado and Justin Turner in that lineup to get Bellinger better pitches and maybe get this team going. I like Arizona. I know they've been struggling. Yes. I I know it's a long season, but we're at the quarter mark, and the Dodgers have looked like one of the most least impressive teams I've seen this year. So let's hit on Arizona. I think you tweeted out the other day, Paul Goldschmidt, you're not used to seeing the MVP, uh, you know, candidate, MVP Every Goldschmidt year. Uh, struggle. Like he Every has. year he's an MVP candidate, and he is not going to get that award this year unless he goes off and plays like Joe DiMaggio in 1956. Goldschmidt is batting 210 with four, four home runs and 12 RBIs, and uh, I don't like to blame that humidor, but um, – Something's going on with uh, Goldie, and it's not looking good for Arizona. They've lost uh, three of their last seven, five straight, and just got swept against the Nationals. Um, they're they're in trouble, and that's going to be a tight division. That gives the Dodgers some hope, but I still like the D-backs the best because I like that rotation. Yeah, I agree with you. And listen, I'm not going to blame the the, uh, the humidity, the humidor, and all that crap with it either. Because look at AJ Pollock. You were big on that though. I was. That's true. But look at I Pollock. Was. Everyone else Pollock is, uh, you know, is absolutely tearing it up. And um, you know, the pitching really. Rob Ray is hurt. So I still think Arizona. I think Goldschmidt turns around. I think Rob Ray uh, comes back. And you know, I think they could be the team to beat in that AL West. Uh, Eight thirty here. Just waiting on. Uh, hopefully, Valvina soon. Uh, looking forward to talk to him. Very uh, kind of Tim. Uh, give us a few minutes of his time here on a Monday night. But, Vinny, we move on. Uh, I do have some over-unders that I wrote down for you uh, with baseball. Right, we're about 40 games in. So, uh, we've seen – listen, this is a good measuring. Uh, you know, we're not we're not rushing to judgment here, I should say. So, Ozzie Albies hit another home run today. He's got 13 on the year. So, I ask you, the power wasn't supposed to be there, but over-under 29 and a half home runs. That's a tight one. That's a got tight 13. One. He's got 13 already, and no one was expecting him to yep. be hitting him like this. I'm going to go with the under, but not by much. 
Not by much. I'm so gonna he say will not hit 30 home. I'm runs. gonna say he hits 25 home runs, and I guess that sounds bad because I'm only telling him he's gonna hit 12 more home runs the rest of the year. But I think 30 is a lot. Uh, Mookie Betts. I know you hate the Red Sox, but Mookie Betts. Great sitting, last name though, <laughs> uh, and perfect for today. Uh, is hitting 360. He's a career 296 hitter. So again, I ask you over under 317 average for Mookie Betts. Taking the over on that. I agree with you 100%. He looks like he's having his best season, and it doesn't look like it's going to slow down. This is somebody that does not strike out. He usually puts the ball in play. And, uh, and I, yeah, this is a career year for him, so I'm all over that over of 317. Uh, Max Scherzer, seven wins already. He's on pace for 27 wins, which, I mean, that's not going to happen. But let's call it 21 and a half wins for Mad Max. I'll give him the over. I'm going to give him the over. I know he's not going to get 27. I'm, I'm going to go with the slight over there. But, I mean, this guy, I love watching him pitch because he just comes at you. He just attacks you. It's great seeing this guy pitch. And he's on another level. He already beat Kershaw. He's, he looks like the best pitcher in the league this year. So, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here and say he gets at least 22 wins. And uh, I agree with you. Uh, we talked about this on Saturday. Watching him pitch is almost must watch in baseball. Uh, he's cursing at himself, as I mentioned. He, uh, he throws a ball. He's pissed. And, uh, he's must-watch. It's and that guy's game when he's on the mound. And let's stay with the Nationals, Vinny, because they just uh, they beat Arizona. They beat San Diego, which is not that impressive. But they're they're winning games again. Four straight and eight out of the last ten. Right. Anthony Rendon is back. Uh, we don't know when Murphy's coming back. But they're doing it with solid pitching, um, Bryce Harper, and, and a bullpen that we both underestimated. Yeah, definitely underestimated the bullpen. But the Nats, it uh, looks like they're uh, getting things on track. They're only two games behind the Atlanta Braves, and the Phillies are ahead of them, too. Um, they, like, I, like I said, they won eight of the last 10. They're starting to play well, and they didn't get Murphy back. So when they get Murphy back, you have to expect them. They can only get better, right, with a bat like that in their lineup. So the Nats, it looks like they're finally got their uh, everything figured out and looks like they're going to take over that division. And Murphy uh, still running uh, straight, but when he tries to turn, he's feeling pain in the knee. So we don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, he could still miss some serious time and uh, a huge, huge bat in that lineup. Uh, Vinny, Mike Moustakis, who was the talk of a lot of uh, hot stove for us, let's just say that, between him and Todd Frazier, who would you want? Well, now it looks like you would want Mike Moustakis, um, unfortunately. He's projected 41 home runs for this season. I don't think he hits 41, but I'll ask you over, under, 35 and a half. Under. You're going under. under. I thought the 40 was such a fluke last year. I don't understand why uh, pitchers are pitching to him in that lineup. It's so bad. The Royals are so bad. Why would they throw to their best uh, player? Just walk him every time. I don't understand how he's seeing pitches. I still think the power is a fluke despite him off to a pretty good start. I'll take the under. And I actually heard the other day that um, don't be surprised. And, uh, and Goon is telling me that we do have a phone call. So here at 835 on Over the Top Sports, uh, it should be Val Venus. So, uh, hello, ladies. Hello, Val. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Great introduction as always. Yeah, man. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on Over the Top Sports. How's everything? Just going well, man. Just banging away, doing my thing down here in Phoenix, Arizona, the Valley of the Sun. All right. Very nice. Very nice. All right. So we want to talk about your uh, wrestling career, and we'll get into your cannabis and um, everything else you want to get into. But uh, tell us, how did the character of Valvinus come about? And uh, what was it like with Vince McMahon telling you he wants you to play an adult film star? Well, you know, when uh, Vince first approached me about it, it was one of those things. I'd already had a couple of conversations with WWE at the time. Um, I had gone up and 
uh, done one of their first camps up in New York and had already signed with them, but I still had six months to finish on my contract in Mexico. And so while I was in Mexico City, they used that six months uh, that I was finishing up in Mexico to bounce around some ideas. And Vince Russo had come up with the idea and presented it to Vince McMahon uh, about the whole porn star character. And so the first thing I heard about it was about 7 a.m. in the morning. I get a phone call when I was in my room in uh, Mexico City. And uh, it was Vince McMahon on the line, and he basically laid out the character for me, told me basically the general outline of what the character was really all about. And he didn't have to tell me much. It was, uh, you know, hey, you're going to be a former porn star uh, turned pro wrestler. And I was like, oh, yeah, twist my arm a little harder, won't you? <laughs> what was it like working with Jenna Jameson in your vignettes? Uh, you know, with Jenna Jameson, she was very professional when she came in. It was one of those things we got into uh, to New York. We went and did the videos, and then we were on our – you know, I had to get back to Mexico, and she had her thing to do. So that's the only time I've ever actually worked with her. And it was uh, it was quick, easy, to the point. And, uh, yeah, we, we got in there, did our job, and got the hell out of there. And it's just it's such a dramatic change going from the former porn star to then right to censor. Um, you know, how was that transition for you? Did you feel like, hey, now maybe I could show off more of uh, the wrestling side? You know, it's not more of the, uh, the porn star gimmicky side. Uh, no, not really. I actually really despise that uh, RTC character. Um, I was, you know, it was fun to be a part of it. So did um, we. I'm glad I was a part of it. It was more of a political statement rather than anything else. We had the Parental Television Council that was really working hard to uh, take our sponsorship away from the Raw and SmackDown shows. And they were, they were you know, experiencing some success doing that. And so, of course, Vince being Vince, he's going to take the most controversial characters that the, the PTC were complaining about, which obviously was Godfather and myself, and we're mm-hmm. going to take us and literally turn us into the right to censor in order to mock the PTC. And so, the, I mean, it, it's his job. That's what it was meant to do. It was really meant to mock the PTC and make a political statement. And so... Uh, you know, I, I was honored to be a part of that, but I can't stand wrestling in long pants and a shirt and a tie. That's insane. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I already just sweat enough as it is when I'm going 100 miles an hour out there, and when I'm covered in long pants and a shirt and completely covered <laughs> in sweat, it's not fun, guys. It's not fun. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Uh, can you speak to us working with Ivory real quick? Because we had D'Lo on, who also worked with her. And, uh, I mean, just spoke the world of her, uh, and she just made the Hall of Fame. So, what was it like, uh, you know, your relationship working with Ivory? Ivory was always uh, really, really cool, man. She was a badass, um, really strong woman uh, on all different levels, and uh, a true athlete uh, through and through. And she's just uh, a little high strung for me. You know, but uh, she's uh, she's on top of the world, man. She's always been a go-getter. She's always been a, a source of enthusiasm backstage uh, and always there to entertain as well. Re- really good human being all around. One of your most famous storylines and my favorite storyline of yours is when uh, Yamaguchi-san of Kayantai attempted to castrate you. Uh, what were your thoughts on that Oh, yeah, you got to bring that up, right? 
right? Just terrible. <laughs> of course. No, it was uh, it was a hell. It was great TV. Let's face it, that was amazing TV. It was uh, edgy. It was uh, envelope pushing. I mean, we were pushing the envelope hard back then. Uh, that kind of stuff, I don't think they would allow in WWE this day and age. And uh, I hate saying that cliche this day and age. It's it's insanity. It's too. insane to say it, but we just we just come around to saying it because it's just become normal, you know. But it's 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 kind of a reality. I mean, today they just don't want that kind of stuff on TV, you know. And back then it was, hey, give give the people everything they want, and we were doing that. We were doing it well too. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. Um, you used to come out to the ring, and you would, uh, you know, the hello, ladies, and, and the shake. And, and then you always had a funny line, and a line that would draw uh, everybody in. How much of that was improv, and how much of that was, uh, you know, somebody giving you what to say? Well, you know, I was always in charge of coming up with the jokes. And I'm not the most creative guy, or I wasn't the most creative guy uh, coming up with jokes. Uh, about 50% of them were all mine. The other 50%, wow. I'm going to probably say is split very heavily in Al Snow's favor in that case. Probably about 40% yeah. of the jokes came from Al, and about 10% came from Kane. Wow. Oh, Kane, then he's running for uh, Knox County Mayor. What do you think of that? You know, Kane and I have had many, many, many political uh, political discussions. We're pretty much on the same page. Um, he's a really smart guy. He's very articulate. Uh, he, he knows that he knows Austrian economics through and through. He's very principled in his political stances, um, and, and I think you know Knox County would definitely uh, prove with somebody like Kane at the helm, uh, for sure. Uh, one thing that, uh, you know, I'm a straight-up anarchist now. I just don't believe in any level of government. I think definitely the people in Knox County voting for Kane is definitely going to be an improvement in every single person's lives that actually live in that county. Uh, but you're still going to have a government there. And until government disappears, we're never going to experience true freedom. I mean, it's, in, it's in the name government. They're there to govern what you do. And it doesn't matter to government whether your activities are peaceful or nefarious. They are there to govern your activities. And that's not freedom. So as far as I'm concerned, I've completely given up on any level of government. Uh, you know, I wish Kane all the success in the world. I hope he does really, really well and does well for the people in Knox County. But uh, the bottom line is it's still government. And, you know, that's, as long as you have government, you take, don't have uh, freedom. That's an interesting take. Uh, all right, three of your favorites. Your favorite moment in your wrestling career, your favorite opponent, and your favorite match. Ooh, man, favorite match is such a hard, uh, so, is such a hard thing to determine. Um, there are different reasons why I would consider different matches my favorite. Uh, one of them, uh, obviously, with Rikishi, the whole, all the matches I had with Rikishi. But I think the big match we had in the cage where he splashed me off the top of the cage was absolutely amazing. Um, that one really sticks out of my head. Uh, I think I got PTSD watching him fall from the top of that cage. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you had to be pretty nervous. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to mentally prepare yourself for that. Because, you know, it's not like something we practiced. It was going to be a one-time shot. Whatever happened, happened. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, luckily everything worked out well. But 
man, it's it's yeah, it's nerve wracking. That that was a nerve wracking moment. Uh, obviously, the the big match I had with uh, D'Lo Brown, SummerSlam '98, uh, was. The I was going to mention that. That's actually one of my favorite matches. Yeah, that's uh, that was my first time in Madison Square Garden, so that one always sticks out just because it was the first time in Madison Square Gardens for me. And so uh, very underrated you know, match. Up the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we really took kicked that show off with a with a bang for sure. Absolutely, that's something I'm proud of. Um, but there are so many. I, I you know I loved working with Lance Storm. Uh, you know, when it came to uh, charisma or you know. Injecting character storylines into the match, uh, that was kind of forgotten about when I would get in the ring with Lance Storm, and I'd really get to be able to uh, really put on an exhibition of wrestling skill as opposed to storytelling. And I mean, we were telling a story using wrestling. Uh, if you watch a couple of our matches, Lance really picks out a body part. A lot of times, he pick out my my lower back and really start working my back, and we'd be telling a story through the entire match about how he's picked a weak spot in my lower back. He's targeting it. Uh, and it was so easy to develop a, a psychologically solid match with Lance Storm. And so I loved working him. Kurt Angle was always fun to work. Uh, you know, there, there's so many guys, of course, Godfather on the other hand was a whole lot of fun on a whole different level for a whole lot of different reasons. <laughs> You know, I loved hanging and, out with uh, Godfather and working with Godfather and tagging with them. It was it was so much fun. And we're speaking with uh, Val Venus, who uh, is so kind and generous to give us a few minutes of his time here on Monday night. And uh, Val Venus's uh, YouTube page, uh, you can just Google it, Top Shelf Anarchy. It'll come up, his YouTube page, um, which we'll talk about in a few minutes here. Uh, we'll talk about in a few minutes here, Val. And um, we're yeah. over the top sports. So I was wondering, what's the most over the top story you could tell us? Ooh, the most over top story I can tell you. Well, let's take a look here. Let me think about this one. Um, Putting you on the spot here. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Uh, okay, I'll tell you <laughs> one about Luna Vachon. So, All right. Uh, Luna Vachon, yeah, Luna Vachon was, uh, we were in Boston. Now, in Boston, there are certain parts of Boston, they have these roundabouts. Or, you know, outside of a Boston, they have these roundabouts when you're driving your vehicle, right? So, instead of a an intersection it's more of an intersection with a roundabout and they're all over that area and so we had left the boston arena and we were going to travel up to the uh local restaurant there that we always hit whenever we were doing the, the arena in boston and luna vachon was following uh myself who also was in the car was test and a train and i believe rhino was in the car as well and of course, in the car behind us with Luna Bashan was uh, Gangrel, and I'm trying to think who was so, – there was somebody else in there. I can't remember who right now. But it was probably about 10.30 in the evening, traveling up to the restaurant, and we started to go around this roundabout, and Tess was driving, and I said to Tess, I said, hey, Tess, they're following us, and they have no idea where we're going. When you hit this roundabout – just keep going around in a circle until Luna snaps. <laughs> and at first, Tess was like, no, Val, I'm not going to do that. She's not going to snap. And I go, dude, trust me, Luna will lose it if you go three <laughs> or four times around in the same circle. So we had this gentleman's bet that, you know, she'd lose it or she wouldn't lose it. And sure enough, it didn't take three or four times. It took literally one and a half times driving around in that circle 
for Luna <laughs> to roll the window all the way down, literally climb out of the window as we're speeding around this roundabout. I mean, her whole body's hanging out the window, and she's got double-fisted fingers pointed at us, saying, you mother beepers, you pick up, pick the rope to go and go, screaming at the top of her lungs. And all these other people are, like, stopped, you know, waiting to get into the roundabout. They're waiting for us to stop going around the roundabout over and over and over again. And they just see this crazy lady hanging fully out this window with double-fisted fingers, screaming at the top of her lungs at us. We must have went around five or six times before we finally took a, a route. Needless to say, when we got to the restaurant, we got a tongue lashing for 10 minutes until she ended up blowing up <laughs> and decided she goes, all right, that's it. I had enough of talking. <laughs> Good uh, Good impression <laughs> yeah, so, she, she uh, was a great human being. She was awesome, and I loved I, I loved Luna. Uh, you've moved on now from from pro wrestling to now Captain Cannabis, an advocate uh, for legalization of cannabis, and now selling uh, marijuana legally in Arizona. How did this come about? So it's actually I just want to correct you there real quick. I actually dropped yes, Captain please. Cannabis. And uh, we just uh, opened up another YouTube channel strictly for cannabis, and it's just the Captain's Show, and Captain's okay. spelled with a K on that one. So yeah, it's just the Captain's. We kind of dropped the cannabis thing just because uh, we're also going to start talking about hemp and industrial hemp and what it can do and whatnot. So I really wanted not to just pigeonhole my show into being just about marijuana, if that makes sense. So anyway, yeah, you know, yeah. it, was, it was one of those things. I was anti-marijuana growing up. It's just the way I was taught. I was indoctrinated to believe, you know, marijuana was a bad drug. And, you know, it's, I didn't know anything about it other than what the uh, government in public education and government licensed media uh, would teach me. That's all I really knew about marijuana. So I didn't know a lot about it. I just knew it was bad. And, uh, over the years, once I got into wrestling and, you know, when, when they give you a prescription for anti-inflammatories or pain meds every time you get injured, you think, okay, this is from a doctor. It's safe. You know, they're telling you to take this many. This is what you do. Bada bing, bada boom. You do your thing. You take your pills. You think everything's good. And so all through my 20s, especially my early and mid-20s, I was, you know, I was an indoctrinated fool. I, I was a libertarian politically and, and socially, but when it came to the war on drugs, I was still indoctrinated. Um, I had gotten to the point where the war on drugs needed to come to an end, but I still didn't know anything about drugs. And uh, so, you know, I was taking these same pain pills every time I got injured that everyone else was. But, you know, you start to, as you grow up, you start to observe for yourself what's really happening around you. And I started to observe a lot of my friends getting badly addicted to these drugs that doctors were giving to us like candy. And, you know, and you're also looking around, and I know the guys that smoke marijuana regularly and don't resort to the pills, and you can see what's happening. The guys that are smoking, well, they're still getting up early in the morning to go to the gym. They're still performing at the highest levels. Uh, they're not getting addicted. They're not having problems. And then you take a look at the guys that get addicted to pills, and it's that same slippery slope. They spiral downhill into addiction. Then it starts to change their personality because when they run out, they will almost do anything to get more in order to avoid feeling that dope sickness. 
uh, you'll start to see them not going to the gym anymore, start losing weight. Uh, they stop performing at the highest levels and start making a lot of mistakes in the ring. They start getting dangerous in the ring. Uh, they start passing out at dinner tables. Uh, you see some of them starting to die. And you start to notice these things. And you start to notice the difference. I mean, these things were real things that were really happening. I was witnessing all of this. And so you start to ask questions like, Hey, was everything I taught about everything I was taught about marijuana was that a lie? Because it doesn't look like, or it looks like it absolutely was a lie. And then you start doing research, and it was just through a combination of really starting to question things I was taught because what I was seeing in reality was different than what I was taught, and then starting to question the things that I was witnessing. And when I started to ask questions, and that's really when the light started to come on for me. And I started to really realize, hey, marijuana is a remarkable medicine. And these pills, they're just pharmaceutical heroin. They're literally legalized drug dealers, you know, and they're killing people. And they killed a lot of my friends. And I, I got addicted to them after shoulder surgery in 2008. And that was the last straw. You know, when test died. Test died, and I ended up getting addicted to them, and that's that's it. I used marijuana to get off the pills, and I never looked back after that. You know, so it was one. It was it was a road to really. I had to undo the indoctrination that I was taught through public education and government licensed media, and I had to do that by thinking critically and doing my own research. And I think anybody that does their own research and they're honest with themselves, they'll realize they've been lied to about marijuana. And they're lied to about marijuana in order to keep the big drug companies banking in profits. And uh, just an incredible story um, about how uh, you used it to, to get off the pain, uh, the pain medication. Um, I certainly uh, need to do some more research into that because uh, I don't know anything about it. And like you have been always taught that it is bad and uh, you should stay away from uh, your YouTube page, Top Shelf Anarchy, uh, for everybody listening out there, definitely check that out. Um, Val, how did that come about, topshelfanarchy.com? So when I came out of high school, I came out obviously a hardcore left-wing socialist without even realizing what socialist was. It's just what government public education indoctrinates kids to believe. You know, They don't teach you that government is not necessary. They are government. They are so. You know, it's going to be counterproductive for them to teach anybody that they're actually not necessary. However, once I started to learn about taxes and about the real world, getting out of high school, it was the same thing with the war on drugs. I just started asking questions. I read the book uh, Atlas Shrugged from Ayn Rand. That was a huge eye-opener for me. And that led me to reading different materials from different authors from a liberty perspective. And then I came across Lysander Spooner, who was uh, an American lawyer anarchist from the 1800s, one of my heroes. And he really opened my eyes to what the reality was in regards to the government. And so I look at government as a platform that is really there to allow criminals uh, to simply act criminally without any accountability, any accountability whatsoever. Uh, taxation is theft. But if you go and ask the average American, uh, do you think taxation is theft? Most people will say, no, taxation is not theft and it's necessary. You like our roads. We like our bridges, our sewers. They'll just go on and on about how 
taxation is not theft. But when you look at the very components that make up theft, the use of intimidation, coercion, and force in order to extract the wealth that someone has earned, uh, it's theft. And it doesn't matter whether it's a private citizen using intimidation, coercion, or force to make you pay, or, or it's somebody running around calling themselves government uh, that's using intimidation, coercion, and force to make you pay. Theft is, is a crime, and it's, it's, it's theft. And so when you start to look at the reality of government, you know that the people that seek jobs in government, and I'm just generalizing because not all people seek jobs in government uh, to bully private, innocent people. Uh, there are people that seek jobs in government just because of the pension or the pay or the job security, right? But the platform itself is a magnet for bullies in society, uh, people that have that sick, just demented desire to want to uh, play the authority figure and practice control over other human beings. They gravitate towards jobs in government in order to feed that sick demented desire, uh, it's like a drug for them. And so when you walk into places where there are government employees, like I said, they're not all bad people. And if you're just going there to do regular business, say, for example, the post office, you don't know who the bullies are and who the good people are. But you will find out quickly who the bullies are when you pull a video camera out in a public space. There is no law banning you from recording in a public space, you'll quickly find out who the bullies are working for that government agency. Walk into any uh, post office. You are absolutely allowed to video record anything the eyes can see from a public space. It's just America. It's the way it's our freedom. It's liberty. It's even in the post office own rules. However, the bullies will use any excuse to exercise power and control over other human beings. And when you pull that video camera out of the post office, Bullies in government, they'll make themselves known. They'll come up there and just make up rules and laws that just out of, out of the blue and try to tell you that it's a federal building. You're not allowed to film it. You're a crock. And you, you just turn around and you just make the bullies famous. And so the video camera is a very powerful tool in exposing the bullies that have gravitated towards government jobs. And that's on uh, TopShelfAnarchy.com. Uh, two things, Val. <laughs> Excuse me. Two things, Val, before we let you go. Will Val Venus one day get the call to be in the WWE Hall of Fame? Well, you know, I'd always like to think that will happen at some point in time. Um, really, it's not too much of a concern of mine. I, I would love to be in the Hall of Fame like anybody else would. Um, but freedom and liberty are incredibly important to me. And so that's mainly what I'm focused on. Uh, you know, continuing to build my career in the cannabis industry, continuing to expose bullies that have gravitated towards government jobs. You know, I, I have two things. I want to leave behind a freer and more prosperous uh, nation for my daughters to live in and grow up in and have families in and, and really just live life in. And so I, every year we see government ratcheting up their control over peaceful human beings. I mean, you need a license for everything. You need a license to drive a car. You need a license to run a lemonade stand. You need a license to open a business. You need a license to cut freaking hair for crying out loud. Uh, you know, I don't want my daughters growing up in a country where they have to ask other fully grown adults for permission to do things and then pay and obey from cradle to grave. That's just not freedom. That's not liberty. That's not what I want to leave behind for my daughters. 
We're definitely pulling for you to get in, Val. And lastly, before we let you go, you got to give me a hello, ladies. Let's go. Hello, ladies. <laughs> there we go, my man. Thank you so much for joining us, Val, on Over the Top Sports. Hopefully we can have you on soon. Everybody check out his channel. And uh, thank you again for coming on. Thank you, guys, man. Much appreciated. All right, Val. Take care. Have a good one. Thank you again. And that was Val Venus, everybody, former WWE superstar, now on to his cannabis life, and he has a couple of strong opinions as well. Um, so definitely, definitely check out the interview. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to Over the Top Sports, and have a great night. Go Yankees. <laughs> good night, everybody. Check out our website at www.overthetopsportshow.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at Over the Top Sport, no S, and on Instagram at Over the Top Sports Show.